Parish. It's Thursday, September 1st, and this is the Eye on College Basketball Podcast. I got Matt Norlander with me, as usual, and yes, there was some actual college basketball news uh, over the past week. It's rare to get college hoop news in the last week of August, but we got some, uh, and what we got was Andrew White enrolling at Syracuse. Of course, he's the transfer from Nebraska, uh, averaged 16.6 points and 5.9 rebounds last season. Uh, for Tim Miles' team, announced late that he was going to transfer and has now landed at uh, Syracuse. So um, it's interesting because uh, when I did the preseason top 25-1 and one initially, I did not have Syracuse ranked. They're ranked as high as like 15th in, in other publications, but we haven't had them ranked. And my uh, rationale for that was, I think, pretty simple. Uh, yeah, they went to the Final Four last season. Everybody remembers that. Uh, but really, they were a 9-9 nine and nine ACC team. That wasn't a one of the best four teams in America. It just happened to be one of the four teams that made it to the Final Four. Then they lost three um, the three top scorers off of that team, including, of course, Michael Benajan and, and Malachi Richardson. Um, but as we sit here now on September 1st, like you look at the roster, there's some nice pieces there. The transfer market uh, was good to them, and they will have their Hall of Fame coach for every game this season, presumably. So, uh, Matt Norlander, I'll ask you uh, the exact same question our buddy uh, Mike Waters asked me last night. Would you, should we, uh, put Syracuse in the top 25 and now uh, t- top 25 and one now uh, that Andrew White is a part of that team. I think White's addition is enough to validate launching SU into our you know preseason top 25 and one. I would still have them pretty pretty near the back. Um, I think they'll be. I think Hughes will be solid. Um, White is a grad transfer, so he'll only be there for a year. He uh, was. He was solid with Nebraska last year. Again, this was a Nebraska team that didn't amount to too much either. Uh, I think he's a good player. I don't expect him to necessarily be a top 40 player in the country personally. Um, Syracuse fans should be happy that they got him, but don't think that this is some sort of uh, savior that's going to help Syracuse you know, consistently be a top 20 team next season. I think that might be asking a little much. But if you want to entertain putting cues into our – rankings i'd have no issue with that i probably wouldn't go higher than you know 23rd or so though um did you have a problem in general with andrew white transferring from nebraska uh the timing obviously wasn't ideal but sometimes i think people complain about the timing um as you know in a so they don't uh, but like that people would have complained no matter when it was like even if he would announce he was transferring in march uh, there's no way nebraska would have been able to go out and find a a, a a comparable player. I, I don't assume Nebraska could have found a comparable player to, to fill that roster spot. Like losing Andrew White was always going to be a big deal uh, for Nebraska. Did you have an issue with, with him doing what he's doing? Uh, I normally don't love it when a, a kid leaves so late. I mean, Andrew White, I remember that was, what, a week before July? It was definitely right around. I was doing draft stuff and coming off the draft when that came down. Um, so it was like a secondary headline in my life in regard to just being so, uh, draft focused, but, um, listen, it's, it's something I think we should probably expect with regularity going forward in terms of having a, like, he's a player that we should probably put on our top 100 list when we get to the preseason. And it, 
I don't know if we'll have a guy of that caliber every single year decide to transfer in May or June, but I just wouldn't be surprised if going forward, given how many guys do transfer, if we just have a few guys each year that ultimately decide, you know, past a month from the season's expiration date that they want to up and leave. Um, his situation seemed to be different just in terms of what, you know, the dynamic was there with Nebraska. Obviously, it was not terrific uh, with Tim Miles and that staff, and he wanted a spot where he might have thought he could have a better chance at winning. Um, and so he, he opts to leave. It's it's not a good look for him, not a good look for the the program, but ultimately, you know, is what it is. I, I, I don't expect it to become a huge trend, but I do think that this is going to be something that we end up writing about just about every year. There might be a guy who hits the transfer market that will get high major offers, um, which then throws a little bit of a wrinkle into kind of everything in terms of the program he leaves. And then coaches obviously chasing because it's reached the point with the transfer market where it is essentially a form of a free agency. You know, we talk to coaches on the road every summer and we'll, you know, some coaches I'll ask, you know, what their situation is upcoming with roster spots for the next season and scholarships for the next season. And coaches are essentially building in an open spot for a transfer. Um, they are banking on landing graduate transfers as part of uh, their rosters upcoming. It's just the state of the game. I, I guess I would have preferred him to announce it earlier. Like, if you're going to leave, like, you know, go, you know, get on with it. There's no really no um, obvious reason to wait as late as he waited. But, in, in, you know, put that aside just in general. I, I hated it for Tim. Like, you know, this is a guy who. You know, in in some cases, coaches' careers can be um, extended or cut short based off of you know losing a player or getting a player, and you know this could have a a a, a, a tangible adverse effect on on Tim's coaching career. So like, I hate it from for him. I hate it from his perspective. If I were him, I'd be furious. But in general, like, what's so wrong about a a a young person taking advantage of NCAA rules that have been in place to spend what is going to be his final year of college basketball um, winning when it looks like on paper uh, the alternative to that would have been staying at Nebraska and probably losing more than you win or at least not going to the NCAA tournament. I, you know, I don't want to start um, you know, uh, predicting records for Big Ten teams before the season even starts, but um, I don't think you'll find anybody probably that will have Nebraska projected to make the NCAA tournament. So, like, it's your last year of college basketball. There's a rule in place that allows you to um, to transfer uh, without sitting out a season. You can spend that final season you're going to play um, in, in a program with a Hall of Fame coach and and on a team projected to, to make the NCAA tournament, which means you'll be projected to – to participate in the NCAA tournament for the first time in, in uh, you know, like, you know, spend your last year doing that? Like, I, why is that the worst thing in the world? Like, I under if I were Nebraska, I'd be furious. But just in general, like, why is that such a bad thing? Yeah, it's just, uh, it's just the way it looks from the outside. I mean, as you said, if you're going to opt to leave, you know, you should – kids usually know by January if they're going to go. Uh, then they're going to go, um, and sometimes they'll announce it. <laughs> Some you'll get midseason transfers. If not, uh, word will just kind of leak out um, by by March or April at the latest. So if you had if you had designs on going, uh, leaving a program out uh, to hang like that is not a great look whatsoever. I agree with that. I, again, I, I would I would 
not that I believe there ought to be a deadline to announce a transfer. Like I think there's too many restrictions on transfers. Like I'm, I'm not the guy talking about, we've got to fix this transfer problem. Like I, I do not care. I don't think amateur student athletes should be restricted in any way. Um, so I don't, I don't think there ought to be a deadline. I think there should be a fewer restrictions, not more, but um, yeah, I think in an ideal world, all right, it's it's April 1st. If you go and get on with it, it's April 15th. If you're going to go, get on with it. Um, but just in general, I, I, I guess this is what the, I'm trying to say. I can completely understand how a guy who has already graduated undergrad and is now allowed by NCAA rules to literally transfer to any Division One school in the country that wants him and play immediately, I can completely understand why that young man if he's in a situation where it looks like uh, they might not make the NCAA tournament, would want to go to a place where it looks like he'll have a reasonable opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament, to play, you know, uh, you know, at a, at a bigger program, to play for a Hall of Fame coach. Like, I get it. I can understand. I'm not saying everybody ought to do it, but uh, I can understand in most cases why you would at least be interested in doing that. And as long as the rules allow it, and I think the rules should allow it, um, I, I'm not going to be the guy who has a uh, a big problem with it. Another Big Ten school um, was in the news uh, this week, uh, Rutgers, and not for the greatest of reasons. You saw this tweet, right? Of course I saw this. <laughs> so the Rutgers uh, official men's basketball account uh, tweeted a graphic that said, like, I don't know what it was, $1.1 billion? $1.1 billion? Was that what right. it was? It? Okay, yeah, $1.1 billion. And, and it had pictures of, like, Ray Allen and Rip Hamilton and Steven Adams. And you're like, what in the world is going on here? And then, like, you know, at the bottom in a note, it says, these are players who have worked under uh, coaches who are now on the Rutgers staff. So it is, like, <laughs> like Rutgers, like, on some level taking credit or at least bringing attention to uh, the, the fact that one of their assistant coaches, Brandon Knight, was on staff at Pitt while Steven Adams was doing one season of college basketball at Pitt. But mostly it was UConn players, and so UConn fans had a, uh, a good time with it. Basically, Rutgers bragging about all the success Jim Calhoun had uh, with one Husky after another. If you were uh, working in public relations, media relations, uh, social media at Rutgers, would you would you have uh, would you have squashed this one? I don't know if I would have actually, because we're talking about it on a national college basketball podcast. Granted, we're poking fun, and Rutgers had plenty, including the official UConn account, <laughs> which said like, "Feel free to tag at UConn men's basketball or at Huskies or whatnot," which I thought was a pretty pretty good move. Um, if you're Rutgers, you're basically trying anything. It still feels weird for even for you to transition. From one topic to another, and say another Big Ten school, Rutgers. Well, like, yeah, we, we go. Well, we go from Big Ten Nebraska to Big Ten Rutgers. I like I still have, I still have moments like as, as recently as last season, where it's like February and we're in conference play, and I'll look at the Saturday schedule and it'll say like Maryland at oh, Nebraska, and I'll go, I'll, I'll just for a second, I'll go. Why is Maryland playing Nebraska? And then it go oh well because they're both in the Big Ten. I still think Maryland's an ACC school. I, like, <laughs> Didn't you write that last year somewhere? I've written it at least three <laughs> times in copy where I've referred to Maryland as an ACC program. It's just that's the one that I can't divorce from its previous conference. Uh, I, I it's still weird to me. Like it just Maryland just seems so 
ACC like to me. But yeah, no, it it uh, that's the tough one for me. But Rutgers, <laughs> like, I'll listen. Steve Peichel's a new coach. He was formerly at Stony Brook. It's not an easy job whatsoever. Um, Rutgers is often uh, on the college basketball and college football side uh, on CBSSports.com, perhaps for funny or interesting or different things, but not necessarily for on-court or on-field success. Would like Rutgers to be better because I'm not exactly that far a drive away. I'd like a reason to actually visit that campus at some point. Hopefully, Pykele can do it. He's one of the best guys in the business. But, uh, yeah, that was a fun little interesting note and a creative way to uh, to boost your program in one way or another, but uh, getting attention for perhaps some of the wrong reasons. So our Candid Coaches series is wrapping up actually uh, today. I don't think the most recent question is posted yet, but it'll probably be posted before this podcast is actually uh, yeah. uh, published. So let's go back uh, through the ones we've done uh, this week. And uh, one of the questions was, uh, who's the one coach – that you'd like to have a beer with? We asked more than 100 college coaches, and neither of us were surprised by the top two answers, huh? Not surprised whatsoever. Um, a little surprised by the third answer, though I get it. Um, but, yeah, the top two seemed like a given going in, but this was just a generally – it was an interesting one because I will say uh, that while Bob Huggins, who was the top answer, and Bill Self – who came in second are certainly great hangs. There are a number of college basketball coaches, the guys that didn't even get votes on this, to be honest, who are uh, who are very enjoyable to go out with. And I was actually I was on the airwaves in your area earlier today, GP, on hmm. uh, Jeff Calkins show, and we were talking a little bit about just the series overall. And I did mention that college basketball, from all that I gather and talking to other writers who cover other sports like baseball, NFL, and specifically college football. The uh, the fraternity, if you will, of college basketball coaches seems to be more interconnected, friendlier, more social than almost any other sport and maybe any other sport. And I would say both within the sport, coach to coach and coach to media. And there's definitely like, don't get me wrong, like we're reporters, they're coaches, we're not friends, we have our own jobs. But there is a certain social element that comes into play specifically when you look at the final four. And when we do work in July, and so we've been out with plenty of these coaches before, and uh, I would say on the whole, college basketball coaches are uh, are certainly very affable and very good guys. But yes, it is uh, it is Huggins number one, not necessarily in a runaway. Self isn't too too far behind, but we have both experienced uh, being in their company <laughs> while uh, in certain social settings, and they are they are rightfully at the top of the vote. Yeah, if you would have asked me before we even asked a single coach, so who's going to win it? I would have said probably Hugs, and then Bill Self will be second. But but I wouldn't have been surprised if Self was first. But I would have been surprised if anybody else was one and two, other than Bob Huggins and uh, and Bill Self. I I actually had one coach ask me, and I thought this was a good answer. Um, he said, "Can we still vote for Pat Knight? Because Pat Pat was tremendous as well. Um, like Pat is like like almost the opposite of his father. I don't know that that's intentional or what, but like you know, Bob can be difficult and and uh, isn't the most uh, sociable guy, uh, chatty guy, fun guy. But Pat Knight is a blast. Like you won't find uh, many college coaches who don't have a great. Man, I was with Pat Knight last night. Story like Pat is Pat is terrific. I've had some good times with Pat, but so uh, he was ineligible. He's no longer a college basketball coach. I think he's a scout with the Pacers now, or I think he works with the Pacers now. Um, but 
yeah, I wasn't really surprised by any of the answers. Like uh, Dan Monson I got, uh, uh, Mark Few, Mike Bray, Mick Cronin, obviously Bill Self, uh, Bob Huggins. I wasn't uh, – Jimmy Patsos. Did we get a vote for Jimmy Patsos? Yeah, I, I got one for Patsos. Patsos is a great answer. Uh, uh, it's a great answer. I was a little surprised that he wasn't so high up, to be honest. Yeah, Izzo getting third. Um which I guess was a little surprising. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's just getting a lot of love in a lot of these polls. That yep. just kind of speaks to who he is yep. and how well-liked and respected he is in the sport. I think that goes for Tony Bennett as well. Like Tony Bennett, I wrote about this last Friday. Tony Bennett, his name has come up uh, favorably in a lot of these questions, and it just sort of speaks to not only is he a great basketball coach, but like he's like really well-liked. I think, I think one of the things these, the Canada Coaches Series has, has uh, shown is that in terms of the great coaches who are also just like generally really well liked, uh, Bill Self, Tom Izzo, Tony Bennett. That's probably the list, right? Yeah, that's. Uh, I would say that might be the list and in order. The Bennett thing was funny because I had a couple of coaches actually give me Bennett for an answer, but these two coaches who I, I asked them obviously at different times and different settings, they both said, "Yeah, Tony Bennett," but I don't know if he drinks, so maybe we'd have something like sweet tea. <laughs> Yeah, may, maybe I don't know, um, but yeah, you're absolutely right on that uh, on that regard. It 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 was uh, it was funny to get the the Huggins responses though. Just you know, hugs till the bar closes. Hugs reminds me of Norm from Cheers, and I will give a shout out to uh, Tyler Thompson, who's a writer with Kentucky Sports Radio, who made a Photoshop of Norm from Cheers, the Bob Huggins's face. I actually added it to the post. It's kind of perfect, to be honest. Um, hugs, you know. Forget a drink, we'll get a whole pitcher, that kind of deal. Uh, I will note that Hugs has had some alcohol-related incidents as well. Um, certain guys are able to is overcome the right word. I don't know. I mean, he had a DUI. He was suspended. That was with his time in Cincinnati. Um, and there were a few other uh, minor, smaller incidents still uh, since then. But Huggins has not. I think he has just had the one... DUI and so it's the question wasn't necessarily about glorifying drinking so to speak it was more just who's the best hang who's the guy that really you just want to uh you know shoot the stuff with afterward you know especially like after a long night on the recruiting trail whatever and and Huggins man he is uh his reputation in that regard within the sport is is just it's unparalleled and self the the answers that included him uh, were pretty consistent at least on my end uh, uh, what people enjoy about bill seems to be and you know from first person experience i find this to be true as well like very quickly you forget you're talking to a hall of fame basketball coach like one of the you know all-time like like bill self really is one of the all-time great college basketball coaches and uh he doesn't carry himself in that way at all like you feel like you could you know you could walk into a bar at any point or walk into a hotel lobby at the final four at any point and bill self could be sitting there talking to a division three assistant coach having the best time of his life like he doesn't need to surround himself with other great guys like he could just be with anybody and I don't know if I've ever told this story on the podcast but like there was one night we were in Akron at the LeBron James Skills Academy back when they held it in Akron and there ain't much going on in Akron right so like if you're going to get a, a drink and a late dinner after a day of uh, being in the gym you, you like you're hitting up like, like Applebee's or or O'Charlie's or Chili's and TGI Fridays and I think it was me, Jeff Goodman, and Pete Thamel, I guess it was. And we walked into like a TGI Fridays right there on the main road in Akron. It's not far from like where LeBron actually lives. 
And we walk in and Bill Self is sitting at the bar. And he's talking with this guy uh, like like a like a they're just having like the best conversation in the you know that that you could possibly have while sitting at a bar. And so we walk in and uh, and we see Bill and he like waves us over and he says, hey, uh, I want to introduce you to uh, Mike. Mike, this is Gary Parrish, Pete Thamel and Jeff Goodman. And uh, we're like, hey, Mike, what's up? And like, I'm just assuming like Mike's a assistant coach somewhere and maybe they cross paths in the you know, in a a previous life and they're just catching up and having a beer and hanging out. And so we're sitting there talking to Mike and Bill for like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. And then at some point the bartender walks up with like a bag of food and says, here you go. And I was like, yo, where are you going? What are you doing? Where are you going? He's like, oh, I got to get home. I'm taking my wife food. I'm like, you live here? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, how do you know Bill? He's like, I don't know, Bill. I just met him. Like, he just like we just we're just hanging out. So like, Bill Self was just sitting there talking to this dude named Mike, just randomly. But like, my point hey, is, shout out to Mike. Shout out to Mike. Shout out to Devin Downey. I just they, like you would have thought they were best friends. And this guy, I don't even know if he knew he was talking to Bill Self. Like, but like, Bill Self was just hanging, like you know, just making friends at the bar. And I just thought that was a a pretty good example of who he is. Um, he, you know, and I told that story to Jason King one time. Because Jason used to cover, like he used to be the Kansas beat writer. And Jason said, like, I was walking through Allen Fieldhouse one time and I hear Bill's voice, but I don't see Bill. And I looked in like a, a janitor's closet. Like I, I, like Bill was just sitting in the janitor's closet, just like talking to the janitor, just like hanging out. Just like, you know, having a conversation with the guy who like literally sweeps the floors at Allen Fieldhouse. And I, I think that's a pretty good quality. And to carry yourself that way. And it is, I, I believe it's among the reasons uh, that college coaches in general, like they they like they really like seem to like Bill Self. Like these guys who are giants of the sport, you know whether it's Mike Shashevsky or Roy Williams, John Calipari, Rick Pitino, Jim Beheim, um, they're not all universally loved. Like you know they're respected, but you'll find you know, if you, you'll find a coach who will say something negatively about John Calipari or Mike Krzyzewski or Roy Williams or any of them. You really don't hear too many people talk badly about Bill Self. Like, and by too many people, I mean like none. Like you really, Izzo and Self are, are similar in that regard. Like uh, guys, their peers don't really have much bad to say about them. You are absolutely right in that regard. They are, it's Self and Izzo are 1A and 1B in that regard, absolutely. One another question we did this week was uh, best offseason coaching hire. Uh, the votes that I got, actually, number one was Jamie Dixon at TCU, but you got far more for Brad Underwood at Oklahoma State. I don't think that's a wrong answer. Um, like, Brad does seem to be perfect for Oklahoma State. But uh, Brad Underwood, Jamie Dixon, got a lot of Rick Stansberry at Western Kentucky votes. If you were voting for that one, who would you vote for? To me, um, the best hire – I, I think is Underwood. Um, of any school that made any hire, I think the best hire is Underwood because I think he has the potential to be at Oklahoma State for a long time and do a really good job there. There's a lot of legitimacy to the Stansbury at Western Kentucky when you look at what he's doing. A lot of coaches believe that Western Kentucky is set up to just run that league as long as he is there. Uh, Underwood came in first. Tubby Smith came in second. Jamie Dixon and Stansbury tied for third. Smith, there's a lot of disparity between what coaches feel about Tubby and what fans, maybe specifically Memphis fans, might feel about Tubby, but this is a move that a lot of coaches support because they know what Tubby's done in spots that have been more challenging than what he has with Memphis right now. He's not killing it on the recruiting trail, but 
in terms of the program, its relevance to the league, its standing in the league. It's been a long time since Tubby was at a school that had this much clout. He was at a certain disadvantage at Texas Tech. He was at a similar disadvantage with Minnesota, and so I think he will have a chance to succeed there, and a lot of coaches spoke pretty glowingly of him. Um, Greg Gard, I actually think if, if the question was who was the best hire of, of the offseason of 2016, I think some coaches didn't consider Gard because he was already on the staff, and then he was an interim, and then he was made full-time really before the carousel like was spinning at full speed. So Gard got six votes. He's a pretty good response, in my opinion. Bryce Drew only got four. I thought he might get more than he did because I actually think Bryce Drew, I'd, I'd list it as a top three hire, to be honest. I'd probably go Underwood and Stansberry than Bryce, um, personally. Um, Passner did not get any votes for Georgia Tech. Um, Jared Haas, who I think is a solid hire for Stanford, only got one. Chris Beard got three at Texas Tech. Kevin Stallings got four. Stallings, I got um, some good quotes on, uh, some positive quotes. A few coaches said that they're not convinced whatsoever that Stallings will work at Pitt. I would say he was the one, if you want to call it polarizing, that would be the one coach that uh, had votes kind of going in both directions, if you will. So it's always interesting to see what coaches within the sport say about the guys getting new jobs because when we give them the cloak of anonymity, they do open up. They can be pretty honest. They, a lot of these guys have a good sense of the programs, the situations, the environments, the areas that these coaches are going into. They know the coaches themselves, their personalities and habits, so they have good insight. And so I think that getting Underwood number one is, uh, I think it's a safe choice. I, I think if we look back five years from now, even if Underwood doesn't wind up being the best hire, I personally have a hard time believing that he will not have, you know, the second, third, at worst, fourth best win percentage of any other coach that that's hired in this cycle, because I will remind people listening that, you know, in a given year, GP, you'll have anywhere from 30 to 45 college jobs open, and a good percentage of those jobs will open again within a five-year period, because while things look good and optimistic right now, either the coach will underperform and get fired, or in the cases of smaller schools, uh, the coach will outperform expectations, and he will then move up again to another job. I got no issue with Brad Underwood being the best hire. Like I like his record at Stephen F. Austin is obviously phenomenal, like basically unprecedented. Uh, so like, yeah, I'm down with that. I, I think the safest though, probably Jamie Dixon, because at least we've seen Jamie do it at the high major level for an extended period of time. He's already recruiting. Um, at an unprecedented level at TCU. Some of that has to do with his staff, obviously. But, you know, a head coach gets credit for his staff, like, like getting things done. Uh, I think that in terms of changing the program they take over, uh, it's going to be Jamie Dixon at TCU. He's going to change that program. And Rick Stansberry at Western Kentucky is going to change that program. I, I don't think, you know, we'll get to a point to where he's doing in that league what John Calipari did at Memphis when it was out recruiting everybody by a wide margin in, in Conference USA. But I, I do think it's set up to where they're going to get a significantly better caliber of prospect uh, routinely than, than the rest of that league. And if you do that, um, almost regardless of what league you're in, you, you tend to win a whole lot more than you lose. I, I agree. And it will be interesting to see how long it takes Stansberry to get rolling. Um, Mitchell Robinson is a five-star recruit that's already coming in. I actually think the league overall might be a little bit underrated. I think it will have some decent competition. I don't expect him by any means to replicate what Calipari did. Nope, I do not expect that at all. I think he will have success. 
It might be overstating it to say that he's going to dominate the league. I resist that a little bit, but I do think Western Kentucky, which is a, by the way, historically really good program sure. overall. I mean, it, you can make the argument that it is a top 40 program in college basketball history if you really look at the historical record. So it's they've got a lot of pride there, um, and they've had success in years past. So uh, it should be a pretty good combination. Now the last question... I uh, I I have the votes I sent you. I've not seen the tallies yet. And this one was your idea. I actually think it was a really good idea. I got some really interesting responses and quotes from it. I I expected the the outcome we got generally speaking just in terms of uh, who was going to win this, but uh that's my way of setting you up for telling listeners if they have not seen it already what what question we're using to wrap up this year's Candid Coaches. Yeah, the last question in the Candid Coaches series was a simple one. Uh, Clinton or Trump? Who are you voting for, Hillary Clinton or Donald uh, uh, Trump? I figure that is what everybody is talking about basically 24 hours a day these days, and so why not present it to college coaches? And the final tally ended up being 71% vote Hillary Clinton. But what I found most interesting and, and very uh, – like a. I don't have it right in front of me, but like 11% refused to vote. Just said, ah, I'm not getting involved I, in that I one. went back at coaches and I said, do not cop out on me. Give me an answer. And some were just like, I'm not going to vote. I'm not voting this year, so I'm not giving you an answer. Right. Like a lot of them just didn't want to get involved in the conversation because um, for whatever reason, I don't want to guess as to why they didn't want to get involved in the conversation. But this question more than any other is one that we had coaches who just, just said, nah, I don't want to answer that. I don't want to be involved in this. So about 11% said they they just not they just didn't want to answer the question. Um, Hillary got 71%. Trump was in the low teens. And um, I don't guess that was surprising, but I think the main takeaway, you know, you can just count the votes. That's easy to do. But, like, hearing the explanations, and there was one coach who gave you a really long and, and – Yes, and I, uh, yeah, I hope you included that I one. did. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. But the, the main takeaway seems to be I don't like either of these candidates, but putting Donald Trump in the White House seems ludicrous. Like you just can't do that. So if the alternative to Trump being in the White House is, is Hillary being in the White House, uh, put Hillary in the White House. That seems to be the main takeaway from college basketball coaches, and I think that's a, a pretty accurate reflection of where we're at right now. The I'm not, I heard somebody on CNN say this yesterday. Um, guy said the only – Republican that would lose to Hillary Clinton in this election is Donald Trump. If they would have run anybody else, they could have beat Hillary Clinton. I don't know whether that's true, but it does sort of underline the main takeaway we got from college coaches, which is um, I'll vote for Hillary because, and I don't love her, but like you can't put Donald Trump in charge of the most powerful country on earth. That's insane. Like that seems. I think that's probably a pretty good reflect reflection of like how the typical voter feels right now and how this election will probably go down in November. I think you're right. I have a few thoughts on this. One, I wonder uh, when we do every year when we do this. I just generally wonder. Okay, if we pose the same exact question to college football coaches. Uh, what would we get? Like with the drinking one, I posted to a few college football writers and uh, everything from Bielema to Holgerson. West Virginia sweeping it with Huggins and Holgerson <laughs> to Cliff Kingsbury, we a guy you want to hit up the club with. So that was just an interesting one from that angle. From this, college football coaches uh, tend to drift a little more right than college basketball coaches. Um, so I think you would get a higher Trump and a lower Clinton. But I will say... Uh, 
so many of the coaches we talk to um, are in the highest tax bracket, which means they're getting the most money taken out, which means that usually means you'll lean to vote Republican because Republicans tend to take less of your money given the uh, legislature that they like to support. So in that regard, it's surprising that Trump isn't a little bit higher. I did actually have two coaches explicitly tell me I'm only going to say Trump because he'll take less of my money. Right. So I thought that was pretty surprising. I had um, plenty of coaches uh, basically say Trump is uh, is a bigot, is a racist. I won't vote for him for that exact reason. Um, but you're right. There were a number of coaches who just did not want to even uh, get involved in the conversation whatsoever. And uh, I don't fault them for it. Like That's that's definitely their choice. I, I think they just don't. I think a lot of coaches... Uh, are, plenty are very aware of what's happening with the country and actually follow politics. And I think sometimes coaches can get this reputation for being like so into their own teams and game plans and film room that they like don't even like I think Saban's famous for that. Like he doesn't even know what's happening in the news. Right. But that's really not the case with most other coaches, uh, maybe with a handful of them. But yeah, Trump winning by or Trump losing by that large a margin was certainly interesting just because I, I thought it might be a little closer. I did expect Clinton to win. But listen, it is the number one topic. Uh, the ratings when we have these presidential debates, there'll be three of them upcoming here in the next uh, in the upcoming weeks. Uh, they'll probably set records for being the most viewed ever. And I, I think that's interesting. I don't know if necessarily people are really invested in the issues as so much as they're invested in the circus that has become uh, this year's presidential election. But yeah, we got plenty of interesting responses. And uh, yeah, and listen, it's it's not necessarily a sports topic, but it is an interesting topic, and college basketball coaches offered up plenty of interesting quotes on it. One uh, thing I will say, I read a story on this not too long ago that I, I think is um, I, th I think is probably true, and they said consistent. The story um, suggested that consistently, and I only bring this up because what we did is. You know, it's not a scientific. It's not like an actual poll type poll, it's but it's like, like Winnipeg. Yeah, right. But it's a, but it's a poll. You know, I mean, we we polled college coaches for whatever that's worth, and um, this study or this this column suggested that the polls are going to consistently uh, underestimate Donald Trump because there are people in this country who will not say they're going to vote for Donald Trump. But when you get them behind a curtain and they actually get the cast to vote, they will. Um, like there, there's such a negative thing connected to a Trump supporter now. And I'm not saying that's fair or not, right or wrong. I'm just saying that if you say I support Donald Trump, there uh, like a significant portion of the American population looks at you like, whoa, what's wrong with you? Like, are you a racist? Are you a bigot? Not everybody, but like, you know, it's why Tom Brady had to back away from that Make America Great Again hat. You know, if he'd have had a Clinton hat in his locker, it wouldn't even been a big deal. But he had a Make America Great Again uh, hat in his locker, and he had to, like, distance himself from that because, you know, aligning yourself with Donald Trump um, is considered controversial uh, to, um, to a whole bunch of Americans, even uh, Republicans. And so people are hesitant to actually say out loud, I support Donald Trump. Not everybody. I mean, you could turn on the television and see all the, the, um, the, the see the turnout at his events. But um, I, I do believe that this is probably true. There are people who told us, um, you know, and it might have been the people who just decided I don't want to vote. 
you know, I don't want to answer this question. There are people who are hesitant to say I would vote for Donald Trump, but like you put them, you put them behind a curtain and tell them nobody's ever going to know. They they will pull the lever for Donald Trump. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think there actually is something to that, and it will be. I mean, this will certainly be just an interesting next couple of months uh, because it just I guess in terms of like the everyman media experience like football season is going to be in full bloom college and pro we're recording this hours before really the college football season kicks off in earnest and then you'll have um you know october is such a huge month in sports with baseball will the cubs will my cubbies be on the verge of winning a world series i don't even dare think about that and uh so you'll have all this cool sports stuff going on um and then the backdrop of this election uh it will just be a very interesting intriguing next few months in america all right well let's get out of here remember you can subscribe to the ion college basketball podcast on itunes uh that's obviously the best way to get the latest episodes as quickly as possible so uh please if you haven't done that already go do that and uh, as always thank you for listening uh it's cool that you'd listen to any college basketball podcast um throughout the year but it's especially cool if you're doing it on september 1st because um this isn't isn't really a, a hot time Uh, for college basketball so thanks for uh sticking with us and we will talk to you again next week till then take care